Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. And uh, we want to look at some things this morning as it refers to uh, regarding healing compassion. And uh, we have, uh, of course, over the last 20 healing schools, we've talked about a covenant of healing. And uh, we will talk about it some today as well, but uh, I want to kind of uh, give us a direction. Uh, we've talked over the weeks about the three things that we have to keep in our mind, and that's always to believe what God said and believe what God said about himself. Uh, that will help you immeasurably, is if you'll believe what God said about himself. Uh, you know, I'm, I've learned over the years that you can be brought up in a certain bent and believe what somebody said about God and maybe get a wrong image of God. And that's so important. You know, uh, I've had people a lot over the years kind of run down people that they call hyper grace or extreme grace because they talk so much about the love of God and the mercy of God and the compassion of God. But uh, I would much rather have somebody talk a lot about the mercy of God and the love of God and the compassion of God uh, than to draw a picture and an illusion, and that's what it is, an illusion of God as judgmental and harsh and mean. Uh, because there is a standard that God has, but now I'm using this as an illustration. I, I have to know what God said about himself. You know, he said, people will say, yeah, but you know, you know, God said that the, the, the sins of the father, that the children be held responsible, and he never said that. And uh, it says, you know, God will hold them responsible. It's not what it said. It said God will not pardon the guilty. Well, that's just the reality of it. God, God does not hold my children responsible for my sins. He just doesn't. And, uh, but people have been taught that, and they believe that. Well, then if the blood of Jesus cleansed me from all of my sin, then I'm not guilty. So I can't be held accountable because I'm not guilty. I, I have to believe that. So I have to believe what God said about himself. Number two, believe what God said about his word. What did God say about his word? Uh, you know, we don't ever want to be caught in the position where uh, we're quoting the word just because that's what we do. I'm, I'm quoting the word and declaring the word and confessing the word because the book of Jeremiah, God said this about his word. He said, is not my word like a fire that consumes all the chaff and all the garbage and like a hammer that breaks into pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance? So that's why I'm confessing the word. If, if there's things that need to be consumed in my life, I confess the word and the word consumes them. If there's things that need to be broken or, or taken out of the way, the word will break them and take them out of the way. That's why I'm declaring the word. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to remember those things. Thirdly, what God said about what he would do. You know, that, that is so important. 
because God says there are things that he wants to do and there's things that he will do and I've got to believe that amen uh, Exodus 15 and 26 is where we'll begin and I won't take the time to read all of it uh, but he said uh, uh, in the the last part of this verse I'll put none of these diseases on you or I will allow none of them that came on the Egyptians for I am the Lord that heals you. All right, I am blank check the Lord that heals you. Uh, your physician, I am Jehovah Rapha. All right, I am your surgeon. And so he says those diseases that came on the Egyptians won't come on us because he's the Lord that heals us. In Exodus 23 and verse 25, uh, it says, you will serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Hallelujah. I will keep sickness far away from your company. Another translation says, I will banish sickness from among you. And we made the statement a couple weeks ago, there's no stronger affirmation of truth than I will. Especially from God. I will. Hallelujah. You know, we've all been in the situation before where we've said, I won't do that again, or I will never say that. And then we found ourselves doing that or saying that. Well, our intentions were good. And thank God there's forgiveness. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that good? But God never says, I will and then won't. And God never says, I won't and then does. Because God, the Bible says in Numbers eleven twenty three, God never has to repent. Because he never makes mistakes. Oh, glory. Despite what some people think when they look in the mirror, God doesn't make mistakes. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that good? And, and, and it's not a mistake that you're where you're at today, right? Doing what God wants you to do. It's not a mistake. And oh, glory to God. I, I've just been meditating on his goodness recently. And, and I just, I'm brought to tears because I'm just so grateful for how good he is. Amen. How merciful he is. How forgiving he is. Amen. You don't have to be committing sin to be thankful for his forgiveness. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And uh, then Deuteronomy 7 and this is where we're really going to center up today. Uh, and I want to look in Deuteronomy 7. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord is so good to us. So good. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, and we'll start here in verse 8. And we're going to look at some of the other verses, but we'll start here in verse 8. And uh, it says, because, but because the Lord, notice, because the Lord loved you and would keep the oath that he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the house, hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, that keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments unto a thousand generations. 
The Amplified Bible says, but because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath he swore to your fathers, he's brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, recognize, understand, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love and mercy with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That's a good place for you to just say out loud, I love the Lord. All right, now I'm saying that because he said that these are the things he does for those that love him. But notice something. The covenant promise begins with this declaration. Because the Lord loves you. And I want you to recognize where Deuteronomy is. Old Testament. So God didn't start loving people in Matthew 1. Because God doesn't change. So because the Lord loves you. Mm, the first thing he wanted them to know is I love you. See, this is the second generation. This is, this is not the generation that came out of Egypt. This is the generation that T.D. Jakes calls desert babies. All right, they, they were born in the desert. All right, they were born shortly after the deliverance. But here's the thing. This was not the unbelieving generation. They had died off. Deuteronomy, by definition, means second law. It's the second telling, the second, the second uh, repeating of what God wants. And that's why you'll see when he says in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, because I loved your fathers, I delivered them. He's not talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's talking about the first generation that came out of Egypt. And he says, remember that because I loved them, I delivered them. You see? Everything God does is motivated by love. Nothing that God does is motivated by a need to show how powerful he is. God doesn't heal to show power. He heals to show love. God, God doesn't save because he has the power to save. He saves because he loves people. God has power because he is love. Why does Satan have no power over us? He has no love. Love always overcomes the enemy. That's important. Because a lot of people think it's their faith that overcomes the enemy. And they put faith first. Well, the Bible says, now abides faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The Bible says that faith and hope are both energized by love. So the people will say the most important part of a car is the engine. Well, that's you need an engine, but what if you don't have an alternator? What if you don't have a battery? An alternator and a battery are add-ons to the engine. Is that right? So you need a battery, 
to energize the alternator, that energizes the engine. What happens if you take the battery out of your car? Won't run. And you can have a perfectly brand new alternator. What happens if you got a brand new battery and you take the alternator out of your car? Won't run. So, brand new car, brand new engine, no energy source, no car. Is that right? Here, here's the reason I'm saying this. Is everything that we believe and everything that we receive from God, we receive by faith, but our faith is energized by our knowledge of love. A lot of people struggle getting what they need out of the realm of faith into the present because they don't understand love. If I understand love, then my faith and my hope is energized. And it starts with you knowing the love of God. And so he starts here in the Old Testament and he tells this generation that he's bringing into the promised land because the Lord loves you. And because he would keep the covenant that he swore to your fathers, he's brought you out. So why did he bring them out? Because he loves them. And he'll keep the covenant. Why is he keeping the covenant? Because he loves them. Amen. Say it out loud. Say, I know God wants to heal me. Because he loves me. Say it one more time. I know God is healing me because he loves me. Now say this. I know God has healed me because he loves me. Hallelujah. So God loves me. In a, right there in the same chapter, chapter 7, verse 12, notice Wherefore it shall come to pass if you hearken to these judgments and keep them and do all the Lord uh, that the Lord your God and, and do them that the Lord your God will keep unto you the covenant that he swear to your fathers and he will love you and bless you and multiply you. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 15, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. And allow none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know on you, but will lay them upon all that hate you. The Amplified Bible says, if you hearken to these precepts and keep them and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. Oh, hallelujah. And the steadfast love. That he swore to your fathers. This, the reason this is so important. Is it goes on and says. And he will bless you. And multiply you. He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. And he will take away from you all sickness. And none of the evil diseases that you knew. Will he put on you. Oh glory. So notice, it starts off again, and it says, the Lord wants to keep the covenant and the mercy. All through the Old Testament, 
Mercy is this word that means that, that phrase, steadfast love. Steadfast love. See, God's love is steadfast. It's not, uh, it's not uh, movable. It's the same. It never changes. All right? Uh, when, when, when the Bible, in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 3, when he was writing to the church of Laodicea, he said, he said, there's a problem that you have. He said, you're not cold, you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm. In other words, you're not steadfast. You're not stead. It's, it's, he said, I wish you were cold or hot. Be, be steadfast. All right? I wish you were always refreshing or therapeutic. Cold is refreshing. Heat is therapeutic. Lukewarm's no good to anybody. Anybody like coffee? You like it lukewarm? Mm, no, I want it hot. I go to the coffee shop and they say, you want that iced? Why would I? Why would I want coffee cold? Now, if you like cold coffee, I'm not against it. I love you. But, but here, here, here's the thing. Why would I? That's my mindset, right? I mean, I've never had anybody say, I'm running right home and taking a lukewarm shower. Oh, I'm looking forward to that lukewarm shower. No, yeah, people like them cold and people like them hot. But here's the thing. My point is, he, then he told, he told them, he said, you need to get hot. Remember what he told the church of Ephesus? He said, I have somewhat against you because you've left your first love. Right? See, God's love is never cold and then the next day hot. It's never lukewarm. It, it, there's no variableness. The Bible says... There's no variableness in God. Oh, hallelujah. And so it's steadfast. He wants to keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love. Now notice, that's important because he brings in love again. The covenant. Why does he want to keep the covenant? Because he loves you. Right? God's not keeping the covenant just because he's bound to it he's bound to it because he loves you so he's willingly bound himself to the covenant because of his love for you hallelujah so our covenant of healing is based on the father's love for us and it was vital that they understood how much the father loved them because the entire covenant was based on his love for them. Deuteronomy 4 and 31. For the Lord your God. Well, let's start in verse 30. Because this gives us a wonderful introduction. When you are in tribulation. Well, that word just means trouble. Pressure. All right. You know, if you're dealing with a, a health issue in here today or watching online. You could call that trouble or pressure. And he says, when you're in trouble and all these things are come upon you. I like that phrase. It means when they have found you. 
right? When they have found you, even in the latter days, if you turn to the Lord and will be obedient to His voice. Now, now notice, especially if you're reading in the King James Bible, verse 31, the first part of that verse is in parentheses. He's explaining. Now, let's, let's read it without the parenthetical statement. And you'll be obedient unto His voice. He will not forsake you, neither destroy you, or forget the covenant of your fathers that He swore unto them. Why? Because it's explained in parentheses. The Lord your God is a merciful God. Well, remember mercy? Steadfast love. The Lord your God is a steadfastly loving God. And that's why, what will He do? That's why He won't forsake you. He won't destroy you. And He won't forget the covenant. Now, why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. The number one thing I see people battling when they're dealing with sickness is condemnation and guilt and shame, number one. And people say, that will stop you from getting healed. It will, but it's deeper than that. Why do they have it? They don't know the love of God. You know the love of God, it eradicates that. Now notice what he says. So he says, he won't forsake you. So God's not going to forsake you in your physical challenge. God's not going to forsake you in the time that you're going through this. Uh, He won't destroy you. So he's not using this to make things rough, to teach you a lesson. Love doesn't do that. Not in that, in that state. There are things as a father that I know are going to be difficult for my child. But they have to do them. Right? Have you ever seen a five-year-old making the excuse that they can't make their bed? And it ends up being something like this. I... want to can't right okay everything in you wants to go okay sweetie just come on I'll make it if you don't push through and make the bed when you don't feel like it when you grow up and the opportunity clock goes off for you to go to work you're not going to want to get up and go to work now so here's the thing so So that's hard on her, but because I love her, I make her do something hard. But if I love her, I would never put anything on her that was going to damage her, right? So notice what he said, or destroy her. He said, because the Lord's merciful, steadfast love, he won't destroy you. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's powerful. And he won't forget his covenant. Because he loves you. So knowing that God wants to heal me is rooted in my knowledge of how much he loves me. 
Hallelujah. When, 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 I was, when I was going through the physical challenge that I went through a number of years ago, and uh, what, what really began to happen during that season was I began to understand how much God loved me. That's what, what, what started happening. Because I, I, I was always in the presence of God, but I began to just soak in the presence of God. And I, and, I, and I got out of being in a hurry. You know, sickness doesn't care how long it takes to destroy your life. It will just keep on working. To the, to the end of your destruction. I can't get in a hurry about soaking in the presence of God and how much he loves me. And so what began to happen was I began to come to this understanding of how much God loved me. And people say, well, didn't you know God loved you? Of course I knew God loved me. I, I'd preached that for years to everybody. But here's the thing. It came to this place where I began to understand, now wait a minute. If God loves me this much, then what do I need to believe? How much he loves me. Healing ceases to be a challenge when I really know how much he loves me. Because what you'll hear, and, and I'm help, I, I want to help you with this. What, what you'll hear very often, people will come and, and, and maybe they've had something ongoing. And they'll make this statement to me every time. Pastor, I have searched my heart. I've searched my spirit. I'm not sinning. I don't have anything against anybody. So they have right there placed the responsibility of getting healed on what they do. Right? Not on God. God loves you so much that if you have unforgiveness... He'll tell you so you can get healed. Right? But, but here's the thing. It's not based on me, what I can do. It's based on his love for me. Because what will happen is somebody will search their heart and they'll search their spirit, and maybe they don't have offense or unforgiveness or, or sin or any of those things, which, which that's wonderful. We shouldn't, but here's the point. Then the mindset begins, well, now God should heal me because I deserve it. Well, everything that you have in the redemption package started with a gift called salvation that you didn't deserve. So that package showed up at your house undeservedly. You didn't deserve it. What did you do? You believed that God loved you and wanted to save you. And what happened? You got saved and God saved you when you were of absolutely no use to him whatsoever. Because he loved you.
right? And you believe that he loved you. And so there is a place to search my heart, but I'm searching my heart at his prompting. I'm not searching my heart because I think if I just do something, then that will prompt God to heal me. Right? See, the Lord let me know where I had opened an avenue for that physical fight to come into my life. He didn't condemn me. He just let me know. Now, all I had to do then was what? Shut the door and believe God. Is that right? Hallelujah. Verse uh, 37 of Deuteronomy 4. And because... He loved your fathers. He chose their seed after them. That was the group he's talking to. And brought you out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt. Notice, because he loved your fathers. Because he loved them. All that he does is based on his love nature. Everything. Well, but you got to have faith. You do, but you have to know he, lo- he You have to believe he loves you first. See that that that's that's where people miss it with faith. Well, I've got faith, but do you believe God loves you? Why, why do you believe God is doing this for you? Because you have faith, or because He loves you? If you think it's just because you have faith, you won't get it. Because now you've put it back over on something you're doing. But God's love for me had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with where he found me. Right? When Jesus told the parable, I say parable, it's actually an event that occurred. When he told the story of the, what we call the Good Samaritan and, and the man went down, evidently a Jewish man went down from, from uh, uh, Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. The Bible says he fell among thieves and they, they, they robbed him and beat him and almost killed him, left him dead. One translation says he was half dead. And the, 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 the uh, uh, priest came by first and wouldn't even get close to him and crossed the road, Right? Because he believed that's what he was supposed to do. He couldn't defile himself. And then the Levite came around and walked up to him and looked at it and could see how bad off he was and left him there anyway. But then here came the Samaritan that nobody thought was worth anything. And it says he got off of his donkey and went and doctored the man and poured in oil and wine and put him on his own donkey and took him to the place and and paid for all the night's lodging. And Jesus made a statement. He said this. He said, uh, uh, who was his neighbor? And they said, well, the one that helped him. And Jesus basically said, well, that's what you're supposed to go do. Right? So love was the, the Samaritan did not say, 
this guy shouldn't have been where he was at or this wouldn't have happened. Because that wouldn't be love. He helped him in spite of what had happened. Hallelujah. So if, if, if I just base it all on faith, and make no mistake, you've got to have faith to be healed. But faith in what? Well, faith in the Word. Well, you can have faith in the Word and believe the Word, but do you believe God loves you? Because that energizes my faith. Hallelujah. Notice here in uh, John chapter 3. And uh, this is a familiar scripture. But. Listen, that's why when people miss the mark. When they sin. And, and you know, every one of us in here have. And if you hadn't, or say you hadn't, you're sinning right now because you're lying. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's, here's what people do when they miss the mark. They, they, they get away from all spiritual things. They don't want to go pray anymore. They don't want to get in the Word. You, you, most people, I'm not saying you, most people when they miss the mark, when they sin... Uh, they, they won't go try to fellowship with God for a few days. Because they think that God's love for them was based on what they did. In the parable of, well, it's actually, we call it the parable. It wasn't a parable. Jesus said a certain man had two sons. Let me ask you a question. That son, he was an image of us. He went and wasted everything. Is that right? And, and he said, here's what I, here's what I will do. I will go to my father and I will say, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Well, that was true. Right? And then he said, and I will say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Is that right? So he's saying, this is what I'm, gonna, I'm going to do. I'm going to fix this by what I'm going to do. Now here's the question. The whole time that he was away from the father, was the father waiting on him to come home? The indication there is that he was looking for him. Right? And it says, when he saw him a long way off, that he ran to him. I don't know how old the, the father was, but he's old enough to have two grown boys. But he ran. And, and it says, he fell on his neck and kissed him. And, and it says, the son, watch, began to say. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. That was right. That was repentance. But l listen to me. That's all that was expected was for him to repent. Not to become a servant. Because in his mind, 
if I just become a servant, then I'm going to feel better. I'm going to be doing something. What did the father say? After he said, I've sinned against heaven and against you, the father said, uh, uh, bring the robe and bring the ring and bring the shoes and uh, go kill the best calf because we're going to have a party because my son that was dead is now alive. What was it based on? What he did? The love of the father. The elder son came to him, and what did he talk about? Everything he did. Everything he did. I've served you. I've done this. Uh, folks, I've seen this over the years. I had a, my dad was holding a meeting in a, a, a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the summer one year, uh, late, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, uh, they, uh, they were in a storefront and didn't have air conditioning, so they had the, the doors open. And uh, a, uh, a young lady that was a prostitute was walking by, and uh, evidently it was a little cooler in the church than it was out on the street. So she heard the music and slipped in and, and sat on the back row and just to, to get out of the sun. But during the message, she got under conviction when my dad gave the altar call, she got saved. Well, when she came up to get saved, she was blind in one eye. Well, when she got saved, God healed her. And she could see. Well, the pastor of that church had a wife who was completely deaf. She could read lips, but she was completely deaf. And she was very Pentecostal. Now, when I talk about Pentecostal, I'm talking, talking about spirit-filled, talking about holiness. All right, that's how we were raised, holiness. And uh, uh, she came up and she had dress sleeves down to here, dress down to the ankles, hair up in the bun, no makeup, God help us. And in, in any event, uh, uh, she came up to my father and communicated with him and said, I want to ask you something. She said, I live right before God. I, I told all the things she didn't do. I live holy, I am holiness, and I'm still deaf. God hasn't healed me. And this young prostitute walks in the door and gets saved and healed all at one time. Well, she had to, she had to be explained. It had to be explained to her. You're basing all of your faith on you and none of it on God. What I do. I don't wear makeup. I don't sin. Listen, we shouldn't sin. But if you think that your sin, that not sinning, is what's going to make you right with God, you're, you're mistaken. Because the first time you, you miss it, you'll fall off the wagon. Amen. Well, that, that little girl that was blind in her eye, she was experiencing the love of God. It didn't matter to her at that moment if she was blind or not. I just have found out how much God loves me. And that is the greatest act of faith you'll ever take, is getting out of a seat and walking the aisle to give your life to God because you believe that He loves you. And, and if we could keep people in that vein, Throughout their Christian walk. That everything you receive from God is because he loves you. And you put faith in a God who loves you. 
it, it energizes your faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We were walking through, uh, we, we went to vacation, we were walking through the, the amusement park where we were at, and uh, we, we, we were walking around, and, and we were about to go home, we, we uh, uh, a couple hours before we went home, and we went by this little station, this little uh, uh, shop, and they had those little marionette puppets, you know, and uh, of course, Lily saw the pink dog, and she wanted the pink dog, and so... Uh, uh, mommy said, no, not today. All right. And uh, well, she, you know, you could tell it, it wasn't her favorite thing, but she said, OK. And so we walked on. We got something to snack on and, and we were going back. And and uh, uh, so it was going to be a couple hours. And so mom and I discussed it. And we and so we sat her down and talked to her and we said, OK, now we're going to go back by that shop and we're going to go ahead and get you that puppet today. And she said, okay, of course she was excited, and, and mom made sure and told her, said, now you know why we're doing that, you know why we're getting that for you. And she said uh, uh, that she didn't know, and we said, it's because when we, when we asked you and told you we weren't going to do it, right, you, you kept your attitude right, you didn't, you didn't get upset, and so, you know, if you'd have got upset, it had to wait. Right? Well, why didn't she get upset? Because she knows we love her, and we made a promise to her about the next day. I am the Lord that heals you. Oh, and by the way, I love you. And the reason I made a covenant with you is because I love you. And the God that loves you and has steadfast love towards you will take sickness from your midst. And the God that loves you and has steadfast love for you will keep sickness from your midst. Whew. Hallelujah. So the enemy comes and says you're sick because of something you did. And then he'll try to tell you that so there must be something you got to do to get healed. Well, even if you're sick because of something you did, God said, I'll fix it because he loves you. If, if you love a child and that child falls and cuts themselves and it was their fault, you don't go up to the child and say, well, I'm just going to let you bleed out because that was your fault. I love the child. Your fault or not, I'm going to take you and get you some help. God knows that all of us were where we were because of our choices and our actions. And he said, I love you anyway. And I'm going to fix it anyway. And I'm going to heal you anyway. I had a good friend of mine that, and preached in my church for years. Uh, we had him, I don't know how many, if, if I said his name, you'd know him. For, for a number of years, great man, wonderful friend of mine. And, uh, uh, but he had physical issues that had been brought on from uh, uh, his years of drug abuse and the way he abused his body and, and all these things. And, 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 and you could just see it. He would, he, now, he was a Word of Faith minister, but you could see it when he would talk about healing. He would say, my body is just so beat up. And he would never get a hold of the fact that even though it was beat up by your choice, 
God loves you so much, he'll heal you anyway. It may, it may be my fault. You know, everybody, and, and I'm just using this as a, as a parallel. Everybody that sins, it was their fault. They chose to do it. Even if you're overtaken in it, even if it was not something you got up in the morning and wanted to do or, or had a decision to do, you just found yourself making a wrong decision. At some point, it was part of my decision-making process. And you know what God said? If you'll confess it, I'll forgive it. Amen. But you have people that will say, well, that means you got to confess it to somebody. It's not what the Bible says. Remember what David said when Nathan came to him and he said, uh, he said, you're the man. I'm not preaching on sin. I'm, I'm teaching about the love of God as it applies to our healing. When he said, you're the man, remember what David did? He got on his face and what did he say? He said, Lord, Against you only have I sinned. Well, I thought he killed a man or had him killed. I thought he committed adultery with a woman. Wouldn't he have sinned against Uriah and sinned against Bathsheba? But he said against you only. We never see sin right till we see it as against God. And, but here's the thing. If it's against God then God's the one I repent to. God's the one I confess. If it hurt other people, I have to repent. I have to ask their forgiveness. But here's the thing. Whether I get it from them or not, I got it from God. There's people on the sound of my voice, maybe here, maybe watching online. You got to forgive yourself so the healing power of God can flow into your system. Yeah, but if I would have just done this, there's a million what ifs or I should haves. But God loves you. Oh, hallelujah. Say that out loud. God loves me. See, that settles the issue. And so, you know, I've had people come to me and say, you know, Pastor, I need to be healed. And I know I haven't been in church and, and I know I haven't been helping. Okay, so right away what you're saying is that if you'd have been in church more or you'd have been helping in a department, you'd be healed. Not necessarily. I talked on the phone today to a wonderful woman that we've known for years, Sister Bonnie in the Kansas congregation. She might be watching right now. But uh, uh, about a year, was it a year before the pandemic? Uh, about a year before the pandemic, uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. And, uh, it, it, and now Bonnie is is a woman of the word, uh, but uh, in any event, it began to affect her body and her immune system to the point that even before the pandemic, she couldn't come to church because, uh, you know, and I know there are people who say, well, she should have been in faith. Well, she is in faith, and uh, uh, she also knows how much God loves her, but the, the, the point is, I talked to her today, and she was just so exuberant over what God's doing in her body, and my point in telling you this story was uh, she was heavily involved in church, uh, youth group, greeters, do, hospitality, doing all these things. And, and this attack came into her life. Well, first of all, what tried to come against her mind was, well, I know I haven't been in church. We had to stop that. You were very busy in church, and this came on you. 
So that means that your busyness in church doesn't have anything to do with it. Now, you need to be in church. Don't misunderstand me. You need to help out in church as you can. But here's the point. Here's the point that I'm making. So people will say, well, I know I haven't been in church. Well, right now you've brought it back to what you can do. How many people have you seen walk into a church that were not part of a church that had never done anything in the church and God healed them? Now, because God healed them ought to make them want to get involved. Right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Once she got rid of that, once she got rid of that, everything could take off. Amen. And we've had to walk through this process. But she told me today she's got one more treatment to go through and that she'll be able to come back to church. Well, that's three years. We've walked through that for three years. And you know the main thing I had to do was keep condemnation and guilt and shame out of her life. Just keep it out. Keep the door shut to it. Because if there's something that you could have done to have made yourself well, you'd have already done it. Oh, glory to God. Did you ever find John 3 and verse 16? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice this. God so loved, so loved the world. The world. Now think about it. So does God love the world? Is the world saved? But he loves them. So what does that mean? Uh, what is there, like 7.9 billion people on the planet? So that means out of all those billions, God so loves the world that if all those billions at once would repent, he'd save all of them. God so loved the world, notice what he did, he gave, right? He loved the world to such an extent he gave Jesus. Oh, that's powerful. So the first thing we see is love gives. So all through this teaching, I've been trying to get you to see that he says, I want to give you healing because I love you. Love gives. If I say I want to give you something, and all you have to do is this, well, you're not really getting it given to you. You're working for it. There are no works involved in my salvation. I believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that Jesus was Lord, and I was saved. Good works follow salvation. Is that right? Now notice, he did not give Jesus only for our sins. He gave him for our healing. Notice in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10. It says, yet in the Amplified Bible, yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. Hmm. It was the will of the God who loves us to make Jesus sick so we could be well. 
He loves us so much, he made Jesus sick so we could be healed. So the perfect son was made sick so the imperfect child could be healed. The perfect son became sin so the sinful son could be made righteous. And that's why God gave him. Mm. One of the main reasons for the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry was his knowledge of how much the Father loved him. Let's, let's go through them real quickly. John 3 and 35. You can write them down if you don't want to turn there. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. In John 5, 20, it says the Father loves the Son and shows him all things. In uh, John 15 and verse 9, John 15 and verse 9, he says concerning this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. In John 16 and 27, for the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and believe that I came out from God. So notice, as he goes on, he progresses from how much the Father loves me to now the Father loves you. Why? Because you believed that I came out from God. Do you believe God? Jesus came out from God? Then God loves you. See, that settles the issue. How do I know God will heal me? Because he loves me. Yeah, Pastor, I don't think I have enough faith. You just missed it again. You've put it back on something you got to do. It starts with God loves me. That builds my faith. What, what, what would give a child faith to jump into the arms of a parent off the side of a swimming pool that's five or six times their height or two or three times and they can't swim? What would make them jump into the arms of a parent? People say, well, faith, love. They have faith because they know dad loves them. Is that right? D does it say right here, notice, the father himself loves you. Think about that. You ought to just close your eyes and say out loud, the father himself loves me. Whew. Glory to God. And, and, and then John 17 and 23. I and them and you and me that they may be perfect in one and the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I've, I've had the question asked me before, how much does God love me as much as he loves Jesus? That's more than enough to heal you. See, now you need faith to be healed. But faith is not standalone. If you don't believe God loves you, you cannot really put faith in his desire, number one, or his ability to heal you. At the very best, you're trying to put faith in his ability with no faith in his desire. Now, i got to have faith in both. 
his desire and his ability. Oh, hallelujah. Look at, look at 1 John. This will be our last verse, I think. Oh, this was worth coming out today for. 1 John chapter 4. And verse 16, and we have known and believed that love, the love that God has for us, to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, notice, we have known and believed. We have known and believed. One translation says we've known experientially the love that God has in our case. And we have that knowledge at present. So how have we known experientially? By the way he saved us. And we have that knowledge at present. And we believed and at present maintained that attitude. What attitude? That God loves us. That's your go-to. When, when uh, Sister Jeannie and, and Pastor were hit, Rear ended right out here on Markham, just up the road, uh, not too far up by uh, Red Lobster. That, that uh, a tire truck hit him, broke her back in three places, and, and they were in the, 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 at the, the emergency room, the hospital, and they, they'd done all the scans, and the doctors came and said, uh, we're going to put uh, two rods about the size of a ballpoint pen in your back. And she said, uh, no, you're not. I'm not paralyzed now, and I'm not going to be paralyzed. And she said this, God loves me too much to not heal me. Now notice, it wasn't, I got faith that God's going to heal me. It was, God loves me too much. God loves me too much. Well, you saw our Sunday night sitting up here straight as a board. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and when she went back after the 30-day period, she went back and the doctors examined her and the doctor said, boy, the surgeons really did a good job on your back. It, it, it's straight, just like nothing ever happened. And they said, we never had any surgery. God loves me too much. It's what needs to come to your mind immediately. When whatever report you get, whatever pain you may have, God loves me too much to let me stay this way. See, that builds your faith. I always, I always found that so helpful that the first words out of her mouth were not, I believe I receive, I'm healed, doing fine in the name of Jesus. All the broken bones are mended. I shall arise and do the works of God. Sandai Bokai. The first words out of her mouth were, God loves me too much. Whew. 
Amen. And when you read her book, Learning to Trust God's Faithfulness, the thing that you come to understand is she came to know God was faithful because she came to know how much God loved her. When she was just a little girl, her father owned a, a certain type of store, and this is when television antennas and whatnot were just becoming popular. And uh, uh, you could buy a new television set, but if you didn't have an antenna, you had no way of getting any reception. And so they, they, this family had bought a television set from their store, and, and those days they'd come out and set up the big antenna. Well, evidently her father just wasn't paying attention or whatever, and they raised that antenna up, and he had a hold of it, and it hit a power line. Killed him. Just instantly. And uh, uh, here's the thing. The pastor came to their church and said, the reason that God took your daddy was he needed him more than you do. Now, people say, what's the problem with that? How then can you believe the love of God and believe God loves you if he took your daddy? And she said, for years, I could say I love Jesus, but I couldn't say I love God. Because I had been told God took my daddy and needed him more than I did. Now, here's the point. So what happened? At some point, she began to believe the love of God. At some point, she got the understanding that God didn't take her father, that it was an accident. I had a friend of mine, good friend of mine, they pastor a church in Russellville, and one of their children died in a, in a, not, in a, in a bad accident on the job. And somebody came to them and said, uh, uh, you know, they know what they preach. And they said, uh, uh, well, what do you say, you know, since God took your son? And she said, God didn't take my son. He received him. That's when you know the love of God. God's not taking children. He's not taking spouses. He's not placing sickness on us or allowing us to labor under it. He wants to take it away because he loves us. So important. So he said, we've known and believed the love God has for us. If you can bear with me just two more moments, a couple more moments. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. And what else? That God's nature is love and that God is love. Know and believe that. Now, the word know is the Greek word gnosko. And it basically means to have a knowledge or to feel. Well, you know, I mean, I can have knowledge of something, but that doesn't mean I believe it. For instance, there are people that have seen people healed, and they know God can, but they don't believe God will. Why did God heal that person? Oh, because God's powerful. Because God loves them. It changes the whole thing. Think about that. Why did God save you from hell? Well, he didn't want me to go to hell. He loves you. Why didn't he want you to go to hell? He loves you. Well, he wanted me to have a good life. Why? He loves you. He had something for me to do. Why? He loves you. It all goes back to he loves me. If, if I flip it and I try to operate knowledge 
Well, let me find out what they did to get healed. See, you're putting it on what they did and not on God's love. They might have done something, right? There's been people before that didn't go to the doctor because they saw somebody else that didn't go to the doctor and they got healed. So they didn't go to the doctor because they're going to do what they did. Well, God loves you just as much as he loves them, but he might tell you to go to the doctor. Well, why? Because he knows your faith is not where that person's faith was. And he loves you enough to tell you to go to the doctor. See, we complicate this. God loves me. But then to believe, to know and to believe, this word believe means to think to be true or to be persuaded of. So we could say it this way. We've had knowledge and felt the love, but we also know that the love is true and we're persuaded of how much he loves us. That settles the issue. So ever what you're dealing with, as we're closing, ever what you're dealing with, it, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with or what you may deal with, God will bring me out of this because he loves me. My body is responding to the word right now because God loves me. Amen. Amen. Listen, I am just as human as anybody in here. And th 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 there have been times that I have had to stand behind the pulpit after having had a flesh fit or something, you know I, know, I know you've never done that, but, right, if, if, if you're married, I know you've had a flesh fit, or if you've ever been married, I know you've had a flesh fit, uh, right? You know, you're coming to church to, to preach the ever-living Word of God and argue with your wife about your, your tie, you know, and a uh, big man of God. Uh, well, you shouldn't have wore that tie. What do you mean, woman? I shouldn't have wore this tie. I should have said something before we left, Now I'm going to go in there looking like a fool. Well, nobody will notice. Well, you notice. Right? And you get there and your veins are bulging. How are you, Pastor? I'm great, brother. How are you? God bless you. Oh, my goodness. And you haven't even had a chance to ask your wife to forgive you, and she's sitting on the front row. You got to know and believe how much God loves you. Because the, the success of this message is not dependent on my argument that I had with my wife. It's because God loves the people. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good? Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating, you know, doing stuff like that and just not being, being okay with it. But you understand what I mean? Father, thank you today for how much you love us. Thank you for how much you care for us. Your steadfast love. We thank you that right now, our bodies are responding to the word because you love us and you care for us and you desire that we be healed because you love us. Now we thank you for it and we declare in the name of Jesus that right now every area of our physical self is responding to the word of God. And every time we think about it, we will thank you for how much you love us. And we'll praise you for who you are. 
not for what we're doing, but for what you've already done. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Of course, next Tuesday we'll be back for another great healing school. Tomorrow night service at 7 o'clock. Till we see you then, remember to keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith. God bless you.